freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> oh yeah, let's go. It is the Brock and Saul Show, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com and the Seattle Sports application, not to mention all of the podcast platforms, wherever you may find them. You will find us. We'll be there. Just hanging out, the four of us, waiting for you, waving maybe even off the screen. Hey, click on us, subscribe, please. Listen to us every day. Happy Friday to everybody. Uh, I'll warn you, I've uh, drank caffeine this morning, which is not uh, normal for me. So I have like a little extra buzz about me. So Boy. I may be. Yeah, I know. It's never a good sign. I don't do it very often. And but we get Bro- Well, paired with Brock's already kind of off the rails Friday that he typically brings. Was Brock off the rails yesterday or was it me? It felt like there was a lot of Brock uh, being off the rails yesterday. Mm. A lot of. Uh, yeah, well, it wasn't. F- Friday's just disgusting, Brock. Yeah. Um, That's true. You didn't think after the show yesterday was disgusting enough, Brock? Yeah, That's a good yeah. Point. Well, hopefully he won't bring that today. But point. I don't know. Yesterday, maybe he was a little off the rails. I felt like he was a little off the rails <laughs> yesterday, but I, uh, I may be today. from his win. That was all it was, maybe. Because it's a so. big golf day. Yeah, and he's very competitive with Damon. Yeah. And so the fact that he beat... It's funny that he and Damon are so competitive because Luke doesn't seem to get involved with any of that. But he and Damon are just, like, very, very competitive about a couple of things. Mm-hmm. So... Um, no, a little caffeine this morning because uh, no nap today. Going to go play Chambers Bay. Nothing gets me more excited than that. That's something that I've been thinking about now for like a week. <laughs> like planning out the day. When am I going to get there? How many warm-up balls am I going to hit? Chicken salad sandwich. Well, I've been, I was talking about the chicken salad sandwich yesterday because I went to uh, QFC to pick up some dinner last night. I was like, oh, I'm going to get this guy. Can't get a chicken salad because I'm definitely getting that tomorrow, obviously. Yeah, of course. And so that was on the mind. And then like planning how I want to play each hole. Where do I want to hit driver? Where do I not want to hit driver? Where am I going to lay up? So, yeah, I've been I start. Sounds fascinating. Oh, dude, I start thinking about chambers like a a while ahead of time. Or what makes your eyes roll back in your head faster? Golf talk or ranked? (laughs) It's it's close, but it's definitely ranked. All right. Well, you're missing out, man. Chambers is the best. And so I'm I just that that's like on my mind and why I, you know, decided to go a little caffeine today. That and the fact that uh, kind of losing my voice. So we'll see if we can make it through all four hours. Uh, You'll hear from Jerry Depoto coming up in about a half hour. Yesterday's conspiracy theory kind of proved to be partway true, don't you think? To like last week, it Partly was true. You think it was true? True. I mean, you're this. You're the one that says like, oh, I got a little fear of something with Matt Brash. Yeah, and the words he was a little banged up. I know. I don't really know quite what to make of it. I, I was a little nervous yesterday morning. I think I mentioned to you guys <laughs> that that you know it seemed like a spot they would have gone to Brash. That in and of itself is not like a huge concern. I mean, Scott makes decisions based on a lot of different things. But generally, when managers do things, especially in their bullpen, that are confusing to those of us on the outside, we kind of have two paths we can go down. You can either get really mad and think the manager's a complete idiot who's constantly using the wrong player, or you can recognize the fact that there might be something else going on and they might have more information than we do. Sometimes both things are true at the same time. But I generally am of the belief that, hey, if they're not going to brash in a situation that kind of calls for him, 
maybe there's a good reason for it. So we asked Jerry Depoto about it yesterday. Yeah, that's great. You know, he, he came out of the series with Houston, feel a little banged up, and we were trying to give him a few extra days. Our pitching staff in general has has really carried a lot of the water, and, and Matt, had, especially through that Kansas City series and, and on into Houston, picked up a lot of it. Mooney had only thrown four pitches uh, the night before last, and I think four pitches, three strikes, cleaned it up pretty quickly. And he's generally been you know, the go-to in that position anyway. So it wasn't a very difficult decision, and it was made easier by the fact that we were hoping to give Matt one more day. Hmm. So they wanted to give him one more day. What I, what I hear there is, yes, that factored into the decision. He would have been in there if he was feeling better. But no, we don't expect this to be a long-term issue. Yeah. So, definitely. yes, I, I think it, it, it sort of, yes, it proved that my gut on that was correct. But better news, it shouldn't be a longer-term issue. And they're just trying to give him another day off, which is good for the long run. You can't get caught up in every single game, especially it's August. It's not the end of September. And you want to have Matt Brash as fresh as possible to be able to do what you need him to do at the end of September. Because right now, he's probably your best reliever. Like, if you need one out, you're probably going to Matt Brash. For me, Brash one, Topa two, Munoz three. That's my ranking. Scott's may be different from that. And John Morosi on yesterday with Wyman and Bob kind of confirmed that, that managing down the stretch is a little bit different than it normally is at other times of the year. As a manager, when you're in a pennant race, you cannot be afraid to lose a game. And by that he means if you say that that Brash is not pitching today or Topa can't pitch or Saucedo has gone you know, two out of three games and he, and he can't go today, you have to stick with it. You cannot, you cannot just. Oh, I need this win. I got to go to him now because if you keep doing that, eventually you get to September and and everybody is on fumes and you start losing a lot of games. So you can't be afraid to lose a game. It's that's that is it is it hurts to say it. It hurts to hear it. And there will come a time when everybody in Seattle wants to just throw the remote controls or or <laughs> throw the laptop that you're watching the game on uh, after a game is over. But you have to realize that that. Sometimes you just brash cannot pitch every game and Topa can't pitch every game. He's absolutely right about that. And generally it, it one of the little things that will help your team get as far as you want it to are the little relievers you pick up along the way. Yeah. The Paul Seawalds and the, and the Munozes and the brashes absolutely matter, but sometimes it's an ability to just kind of trust somebody else and allow them to pitch a few innings that will help you. Now, Scott's leaned real heavily on Brash this year. I think he leads the league in appearances. So that's something to watch. If he's trying to stay away from him a couple of times, I get it. They're trying to make sure he's as fresh as he can be down the stretch. And, you know, look, some of my formative baseball you know, experiences and, and memories were formed in the early 2000s. But watching Reds, go, go back if you want. Go watch Red Sox-Yankees 2004 and just kind of look through that entire season, right? That's the year the Red Sox break through, beat the Yankees in the ALCS. Why? I, I have a, There's a lot of theories as to why that finally happened, and certainly luck played into it, and there were a million different parts. But one of the little things that ended up really mattering that year is that down the stretch, the Red Sox acquired Mike Myers and trusted guys like Curtis Laskanek. These are not big names. Mark Malaska, Lenny DiNardo, there's a few others. They had a, a bullpen full of dudes. None of them were incredible. They didn't have a Mariano Rivera on their team. 
if you were like picking guys for your bullpen, I think the Yankees probably would have had the top three that year in Rivera, Gordon, and Quantrill. And then you would have found Keith Folk and Alan Embry and Mike Timlin and some others. But the Yankees had probably the top three. Unfortunately for Joe Torre, he basically only used four guys out of his pen all year. And by the time they got to the playoffs, a lot of the Yankees guys were toast. They they weren't good in the postseason. Guess what? Red Sox guys were a whole lot healthier and they were money. They were nails. And that mattered a lot when when uh when the the close games started in games 4, 5, 6 and well not 7, but 4, 5 and 6. Yeah. And so I I I think what John says there is really smart. We're going to be watching a really good meaningful point. baseball here over the course of the next month and a half. I mean, this is pennant chase baseball people, not a drill. Let's go. This is what it's like. Not even like last year when you're you know that the pennant is is not even a possibility. You're just gunning for the for the wild card and hoping to just finally sneak in. You win the AL West, you're sitting at home watching in a good way. The first round of the playoffs. That whole wild card round where you had to come back and beat Toronto and all that, you just sit around and wait. You sit around and get your rotation set. You sit around and let Matt Brash and Munoz and everybody else relax. You can get J.P. Crawford off his feet for a few days. You can let Julio's tummy relax. You can do all of those things for a few days while the other teams go beat the heck out of each other and hopefully play 15 innings and end up, you know, exhausted. You got a real chance at the division. You're one game back at Texas. How'd they do yesterday? Oh, we'll get into them in a moment. You're one game back at Texas with 30-something games to play. You are in the thick of everything, man. This is this is why you love you baseball. Be, you just got to be real excited. This, this is weekend. why you love baseball for what we're going to get a chance to watch here over the course of the next month and a half. I'm not promising you it works. I'm not telling you they're going to beat the Rangers or beat the Astros or even beat the Blue Jays. They might not make it. I'm not telling you they're better than any of those teams. I'm telling you that this is why you watch sports, to put yourself in a position over the next month and a half to watch your team play the most meaningful games possible and hopefully get to the promised land. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, Jamal Adams is back, sort of, anyway. He was officially taken off the pup list yesterday, which does allow him to participate in things he could not before. He's not practicing, so it'll still be some time before we see him in action. But just having him there has been pretty important. I know it makes it, it makes a difference to him. I know it means something to him. He, he's, he's such an engaging personality, and he's such a, you know, outgoing personality on the football field that um, he has no way to express that you know, with us. And so that's part of the reason I want him to be back in there <clears throat> so he can get comfortable, our guys can get to know him, some of our guys don't know, you know what he's like, so um, and he's going to help them, he's the guy that makes other guys play better around him, so I just think all of this is all for the right reason Yeah, I'll be honest, just watching some of the highlights last night that the Seahawks put up of Jamal Adams I'd kind of forgotten that this is the kind of player who forced them to reset the safety market that they traded two first rounders to bring in the physicality he brings the energy he plays with Remember me saying a couple of years ago, God, just just let me love you, Jamal. All I want to do is love you and the style of football that you like to play. Be healthy, make some of those plays, and let me love you. I want to so badly, Pete, with some ideas on how we could be used. You know, right now we have we have a bunch of guys out there that uh, that fit together well. We look athletic. Uh, we're quick. There's there's 
there's a mixture of you know the, the, the you know the years that they played and all the experience that they have and the, what they bring. It's it's a it's a fun, exciting group. I can't wait to see these guys really start to mold together. Oh yeah, you throw Love and Diggs and Adams out there at the same time. You know what they call that? That's some big nickel. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, tonight it'll be time to welcome back the conquering heroes. Mariners return home after their 8-2 and two road trip at the start of a three-game set against the Royals. Tonight you'll see uh, Miller on the mound. Sometimes you don't need to be playing to have a good day, and that was definitely true for the Mariners yesterday. It was a great one. Scoreboard watching looked like this. Texas taking on Minnesota with a lead late. But now two are down. A drive to left field. Back and gone. Now that's a shame. Texas ends up losing again. That would be seven straight for the once mighty Rangers. It gets the Mariners back to one game out in the division. John Morosi handicapping that race. Texas, they haven't really been the same, you know, when when Young, the third baseman, really, you know, Josh Young, really talented rookie third baseman, all-star. They have not been quite the same team since he's been out. Really? I mean, they've lost seven straight. So, yeah, I would say they haven't been the same team really at all. Meanwhile, Houston loses 17-1. to They just got bashed by the Red Sox. Brings them into a tie with the Mariners. But really, the M's are ahead based on both the loss column and the head-to-head record. And Toronto loses as well. So the Mariners clearly in second place in the wild card and just one game behind Texas as they start, as I said, three with Kansas City tonight. Here's the third thing you need to know. NFL cutdown day is Tuesday. That's coming up real quick. It means we're starting to see some trades as camp battles have been won, and then the people who don't win that battle end up finding new homes. The Cardinals been kind of the biggest wheeler and dealer. They picked up quarterback Josh Dobbs yesterday, so be afraid. They also traded former 11th overall pick Isaiah Simmons for a conditional 7th rounder. That's some good management. That's kind of what you're looking for. Uh, Seahawks, uh, will they be active? We've seen it before. They certainly have a few positions of need. Uh, One that stands out to me, really the two. Can they find defensive line depth, especially inside? And is there a veteran wide receiver that could help them, especially early in the year, while three of their top five are injured to start the season? And then maybe another linebacker, I guess, would be another spot that you could see the Seahawks look for some depth. Meanwhile, they're not going to need receivers as badly as they do in Denver. Tim Patrick already out for the second straight year. Jerry Judy yesterday carted off with a hamstring injury. Going to be at least a few weeks for him. I know Russ runs towards pressure, which Moore appreciated yesterday. How does he feel about adversity? Does he run towards that or does he run away from that? Because he has a little bit here to start the season. That's everything you need to know. And we do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Well, history would tell me he probably doesn't feel adversity. He runs towards it, right? He, he doesn't feel adversity. He just runs towards it. Yeah. 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 It doesn't sure he, he has senses some kind it. of saying about it. Yeah. Adversity ad- adverses me or something. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Just waiting for somebody to ask so he can unleash that. I mean, so is that a good enough excuse for Russ having two more wide receivers hurt to start the year? Or is it one of those like, hey, man tough like you you used it all up last year like you just got to make it work yeah good quarterbacks elevate i think that's what it's got to be right like hey man i don't care if the other 10 guys on your offense get hurt like you just have to perform this year that's just how it goes after the season you had last year the questions about you in your in your locker room in addition to outside like yeah there's no more grace you've just sort of used that up and and while that might not be fair and we can kind of recognize that in the back of our minds. Like, 
Yeah, sorry. That's uh, just kind of how it goes. Love the text line this morning. People kind of psyched up about the next month and a half. I'm freaking fired up. Thanks, Mike. Salk, I thought I was already juiced. That got me so pumped for baseball. I love it. I'm with you, Michael. Let's go. Best postseason rotation equals World Series champs. All right. Salk on caffeine and waiting for Chambers Bay and talking pennant. Feels like he's Kelnick breaking out of the boot. <laughs> I was going to say, you good. need to do this every morning. You need to have Chambers on deck and, and some caffeine early to get You the, don't want this every day, trust me. You, I mean, I happily play Chambers every day, but you don't want this every day. Uh, great point, Salk. The city hasn't seen a pennant race in over 20 years. That's true, really, right? I mean, we've seen some runs at wild cards, but we haven't yeah. really seen a legit chance to win the division. I mean, even a couple of those years, right, where they fell short of the A's. Yeah. Well, they were they were far enough behind that they were gunning for the wild card, right? Not a chance to beat Houston. Yeah. I remember so. when I was it was like I think oh seven, yeah. and then again in what fifteen. Yeah, we were it was like, it was the like the every other year, right? Yeah. It was like 15, 17, 19 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Craig in the four two five, I don't know. Craig says I think they're saving Brash for a start soon. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't think he's. I don't think that one's in the cards. Scott's spinning a lot of plates, but I don't think Rash is a starter. I don't think that one's happening. And then, uh, why does Salk's shirt look like it's soaked with sweat? All right, this is the second time I've worn this shirt, and it's taken a lot of grief. It, it doesn't show he up. He like a, initially didn't like it, right. and then yeah. saw you up close and took it back. Yeah, maybe oh. it doesn't look good on TV. That's what I'm saying. All it is is from like chest up. You can't really get context of the pattern, right. so it just looks a little. It's, it's a nice shirt. I like this shirt. Although we were all debating what they actually were, I thought it was some kind of flower. I thought it was like, palms. It's just kind of pattern. Shirt. Yeah, I mean, just pattern. You don't need to think so deeply <laughs> on it. It's just my shirt. Yeah. It's my going to Chambers Bay today shirt. That's all. That's all you need to know. And after that, don't worry about it. Stick around. Jerry DePoto was uh, very honest yesterday. And if you're psyched up now, I think you'll be even more so after listening to him. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Jerry, no 15-game win streak, but two eight-game win streaks. Which is better? Uh, boy, I'll, living in the now, I'll take the two eight-game win streaks. <laughs> it's plus two, you know? Pretty fun. I mean, like, what what just got into this team is unbelievable over the course of this month. And obviously a lot of it keyed by Julio. I certainly want to ask you about his great run that he had, especially last weekend. But, you know, what has gotten into this team? Uh, you know, everybody, it's, it's funny how it's all so contagious. And, you know, just having spent the last 10 days on this road trip and, you know, eight and two, and truly every single player on the roster contributed positively to, to the outcomes. And, you know, whether it was a big hit or clean innings and just giving us a chance and, and passing the baton, the whole lineup up and down the lineup, everybody was hitting, everybody was swinging at good pitches, that there was a focus that, that frankly was exciting to watch. And, you know, and our pitching like it has been, you know, generally answers the call, you know, day after day. And right now we're playing the best baseball that we've played all year long and, and, and really just great baseball period. How welcoming was the air conditioning on that flight home? You think (laughs) yesterday afternoon? Yeah, I know Scott got on the flight. I, you know, the, the, this is he got on and he said, "I got to tell you, that was one of the five hottest games I've ever been on the field for." And I said, "Yeah, it was nice and cool inside." <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, you know, the guys, the, the guys really had to grind through it. Ten day road trips, really, you know, with no days off, they get on you, and it's a grind. And 
yesterday, how hot it was out there and, and just the type of game that was played. You know, it was, uh, you know, it, it was great to see our guys make what, what I thought was an awesome comeback in the end. And we lost in a weird way, but the, the effort level is so high right now. And the, the, the focus again, as I said before, is just at an extreme in an extreme place. And, and it's, it was never more apparent than the last couple of innings of yesterday's game. When after such an awesome road trip on such a hot day with such a grinder and, you know, and, and facing a starting pitcher yesterday who, you know, frankly was going to be really hard to hit because you just couldn't get settled in the batter's box. And, and, you know, the guys found a way and, and they grind through. And I think everybody comes out of that trip with a, with a great feeling about where we're at. Yeah, understandable too. I mean, what a what a just sort of weird, crazy way for it to end. One thing, and I want to get to Julio here in a sec, but one thing we were trying to kind of guess along with and try to figure out what happened is is the decision to go with Munoz in the ninth yesterday. Not that that in and of itself is odd, but with him having pitched the day before and Brash hadn't gone in a couple of days, I guess the first question is: Is Matt Brash okay? Yeah, that's great. You know, he, he came out of the series with Houston, feel a little banged up, and we were trying to give him a few extra days. Uh, our our pitching staff in general has has really carried a lot of the water, and, and Matt, had, especially through that Kansas City series and, and on into Houston, picked up a lot of it. Mooney had only thrown four pitches uh, the night before last, and I think four pitches, three strikes, cleaned it up pretty quickly. And and he's generally been you know, the go-to in that position anyway. So it was it wasn't a very difficult decision, and it was made easier by the fact that we were hoping to give Matt one more day, you know, in addition to today's off day, to give him a chance to really be ready for this weekend. Okay, makes I mean makes sense. And just sort of going back and looking at the game log, I mean, Brash pitched in what three of the four in Kansas City and. You know, how how careful do you have to be with some of those guys at this point? I'm even thinking about your starting pitching as we uh, will ask you here for in a moment about Hancock. Where is your depth at right now? You know, it's part of the reason why we uh, we quickly pivoted and picked up Luke Weaver uh, when when he was accessible to us. It's, we're at a time in the in the baseball calendar where you don't have a lot of access to players that don't play in your own organization. So, you know, being in tune with the transaction wire and and what's happening and you know, in, in the, the non-traditional markets, you know, waiver wires, it's free agents, it's it's players without. That's where your depth's coming from if it's not from your own organization. But having lost Emerson with no Robbie Ray, with no Marco Gonzalez, you know, already having tapped into Bryce Miller and Brian Wu and then, you know, Emerson Hancock, there's there's only so far you can go before you, you start to wobble a little bit. And, and we, we left the house to go find a guy that we thought could help both in, in providing length in our bullpen and potentially stepping in if we needed a next depth starter. And, you know, we have a couple of guys in AAA who have experience in Tommy Malone and Adam Aller. But, you know, beyond that, it's we've got another month and a half to play, and, and our guys that have carried us are, are hopefully going to continue to carry us. Does that, just quickly here, does that, you know, last week we talked about the possibility of going to a six-man rotation. Where is that now today? You know, our most recent discussions, which were last night, uh, actually, our most recent discussions are, you know, we're at a place on the schedule where the off days are going to start helping us. And you're naturally going, and we said this, I think, last week or the week before on the show, that, you know, we are at a place where the off days are going to start helping us at a certain point, and the guys will get the extra days. And and the, 
obviously the pitcher that we are most uh, in tune with trying to, to make sure we help across the, the long season is Brian Wu, uh, just because he's not done anything like it before. So you might see a skip start or you know some type of truncated start, but we're going to go with our, our five starters that are currently out there, and we might you know get into a skip start situation, but we're not going to disrupt the other guys and let them continue to do the thing that they're doing. And, uh, you know, it's, it might have been a different story had we had Emerson, but even when we were talking about a six-man, we were only talking about a six-man through the first week of September, which is when the schedule starts to give us a little bit of freedom. And, you know, so it was one, maybe two more starts, and, and you might see, like I said, something like a skip start or a shorter start, but but not a traditional six-man rotation. Well, to quote you right there, uh, not seeing something like it before, uh, that would be also Julio Rodriguez. <laughs> So, Jerry, the canvas is yours. Paint what you have seen over the last month, and in particular, breaking baseball history. Oh my gosh, it was uh, it was phenomenal to watch, and you know what? And we've we've been waiting uh, for for Julio to to really bust out this year. And I, I say that, and it's it's almost comical that we look at his season, you know, coming into the All Star break. He's an elite defender in center field, an elite base runner, and he was having a slightly above average offensive season with, you know, with a lot of, you know, athletic traits. You know, the stolen bases were piling up, et cetera. And then he just took it to a different level. You know, he took elite, elite, and added another elite to it. So, you know, it's, this is what Julio is capable of. And it's, it's, it's why the expectations are always so high. And, and sometimes, like I've said, you know, we, we need to temper them because he is 22 and you're going to go through growing pains. But that's sure not the way it's looked for the last four or five weeks, and especially on this road trip where it's for I've had a chance to play with MVPs and Hall of Famers. And we've had, you know, we've, we've had a lot of great players come through. And I, I don't know too many of them that can change games the way he changed games for about a week straight where it was just unbelievable to watch. It was, it was hotter than the sun. There are times you can see physical adjustments with players, right? Whether their hands or their stance in a swing or something of that nature. And there's times, I don't know, I, I'm not noticing any physical adjustment, but there's been obviously conversation with the hitting coach and, and, and he has. What have your eyes seen? Is it mental? Is it experience? Is it physical? If you were to just try to quantify how he went from elite to that upper, upper elite. Well, you know, I, I think some of it, and, and again, I don't want to attribute too much of this, we have talked about here before, like the, the notion that just getting past the the, the burden or the, the expectations of, of the all-star game, of being in the home run contest, of being the hometown guy that everybody was looking at and taking a breather, you know, relaxing for a day or two is probably helpful. But from a from an adjustment standpoint, a physical adjustment standpoint, he has made a pretty notable adjustment. You know, he's, he is not sinking into his legs as much as, as he did for most of the first half of the season. And, and it's probably not easily discernible for people who don't watch it closely every day. And, you know, our hitting coaches do a phenomenal job of staying on top of it. And, you know, and Julio coming out of the all-star break or might've been actually, you know, immediately after the all-star break, but Jared DeHart working on, on not getting into his legs so much, you know, that sink down bounce up kind of look. And, you know, he got a little bit taller in the box. He got a little bit more athletic in the box. And, you know, I think you're seeing the benefit is his bat is in the zone longer. He's not in and out. 
He can cover all kinds of pitches, and and as importantly, he's he's swinging at the right pitches. Yeah, so chamber, there has been a physical adjustment at Chambers tomorrow. I mean, that's something Salk really struggles with with the driver, Jerry. Sometimes you know he gets into his legs. I'm like, bro, just don't sink so you. much. What? How dare you? When, when you're a little more upright, it's, don't embarrass me in front of Jerry. No, nah, when you're more upright, you just let that driver right. run all the way through. Hey, we uh, we had an opportunity this week to talk to Josh Rojas for the first time. First of all, oh my gosh, wow. Brock and I were just completely blown away by him as a as a guy, as a thinker, at long answers, as a as a communicator. Talker. Are you worried about him taking your job at some point? Uh, you know, I'll take my chances, and if I do, it, it'll it'll probably be for the better for the organization. But the you know, there's a reason why we we've really kind of coveted Josh for a number of years, and one of our coaches actually asked me while we were on the road trip, you know, what was it about Rojas that that you know really that we were attracted to and since sometimes with, with a player it's it's easy it's it's a tool it's something that stands out it's power it's a feel to hit you know with josh it's just a feel to play baseball and you know he has it's a the, i think and you've identified it in, in a brief interaction you know the makeup is awesome just he's he gets the game he's awesome in a clubhouse he's got aptitude on a field and he does a lot of little things on the field from solid defense to he's an excellent base runner with good instincts and, and he's always hit right-handed pitching. And we really did think when we made that deal that, that he was a great bounce back candidate. And I know it looked unusual on the surface and small sample size theater. He's played very well for us, but you know, at the same time, these are things that he has done before as a major league player. He's always been a good player. And, and right now, you know, we're we're standing we're we're reaping the benefits of believing in in who the person was. So two other questions about him then. One, you know, we spent a lot of time talking earlier this season about veteran leadership and where it would come from, et cetera. Is he one of those guys that, you know, sort of fills that role that you guys have been looking for? You know, he might be. He's we don't have a ton of players who who've been around and who've been through, you know, who've been through good seasons, who've played through playoff races and things like that, you know, with a lot of service time. And, and Josh isn't, you know, he's here for another couple of years beyond this and, and gives you, you know, that experience and, and that calming presence in a clubhouse. It's hard to tell this soon, you know, whether that will result in, in clubhouse leadership. I know that's the way they felt about him in Arizona. And, you know, he's obviously came up with the Houston organization, was traded to, the Diamondbacks and part of the reason why they were reluctant to include him in the trade was because of the impact he had in their clubhouse. And, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that that's how it turns out here, but I have no expectation. It's just that, you know, the sauce is so different in every place. And, and right now between JP, I thought, especially while JP was out with, with his concussion, you know, Eugenio Suarez, our whole group, Julio, you know, we had guys step up and, and really make the clubhouse an awesome place to be. And, you know, and, and Josh contributed to that. The other thing I, we noticed in talking to him, he, he paid you guys a compliment and saying that he was very open to coaching when he came in, he was going through some adjustments and said, all right, what do you guys see? Tell me what's going on. I respect the hitting coaches here and you guys know what you're doing. How, you know, we, we spent a long time early this year talking to you and with you about, about hitting coaches and the system and the way guys use their own personal coaches and your coaches. It, it must have been somewhat refreshing, I would think, to have a guy come in and say, hey, what do you want me to do? How can I help? 
Yeah, I mean, it's you know, Josh did that. I know Dom Canzone did the same thing, and you know, and our our coaches were were blown away with how open you know, to to being coached they were, and, and which is a really good thing. And 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 I wouldn't say super common among major league players. You know, you're this is the top one percent. These guys are the best players alive today, and and as a result, you're going to have to really show them something to to sway them on what they should or shouldn't do, but. Uh, I, these guys clicked immediately with our group and, and the results, like I said, have been, you know, really positive so far. That's uh, all you can ask of your players is for them to be open-minded because we do have, we, we have good programs. We have great staff. And, and I think right now when you've got such good mojo, there's a, you know, there's a vibe around our team. Everybody wants to get involved. And, and right now, like I said, the players, the coaches, it's, a, it's, it's really clicking on all cylinders. Jerry, it was really fun for us yesterday to have Hall of Famer John Smoltz on the show. And John is not short on opinion when it comes to some of the old school belief and philosophies versus some of the new new age numbers and data and everything else. And, and you know, the, he, he's got strong opinions, a great conversationalist. He also feels very strongly about arm health and pitching health. And I am just curious, now that you're in this business on this side of it, and you also pitched in the era that John pitched, were guys getting banged up and arm injuries as significant then? And obviously, I'm asking you this with the Otani news of late last night, as they seem to be today. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, it's funny. Um, Smolty and I were on a, a board together and major league board. And this dates back to like uh, 2014, 15, 16, you know, the, a handful of years with, you know, other former pitchers and, and a couple of, of, you know, prominent baseball people that, uh, and, and this was our discussion matter every other week for, for a couple of years was, was how do we, you know, create a more, a, a healthier environment for pitcher development. And, and we, we were talking about, frankly, we were talking about little league on up. How can we, you know, with the, the, the impact of, of velocity, with the impact of what we now know about creating spin on the baseball, you know, is there, is there a way we can get out in front of the potential for injury? But if we look back on it, you know, it's a, the, the game has changed so much from even from 30 years ago when we were playing or, or the 30 years prior to that, you know, you weren't throw, seeing a whole lot of guys throw at the kind of velocity they throw at now. You weren't seeing pitchers throwing 60, 70% breaking balls. And, you know, but once the genie's out of the bottle, you're not putting that one back in. When, when somebody knows they can throw 98, they're not going to say, oh, I prefer throwing 88. <laughs> they, they like the idea of throwing hard. And, and, you know, so the game has adapted to these physical skills. And, and as such, starting pitchers don't pitch quite as long. Relievers have taken on a more prominent role. I do think that there's, you know, the potential for you know, learning more about injury as we move forward. We don't really know if, if this is, you know, there are as many injuries, if not more now than there, than there were then. But there were injuries then, and, and Smoltz is a great example. You know, he was on the shelf for a period of time. Mm-hmm. It's, it happens when you're when you're propelling a ball forward at the rates that these guys do. Gosh, and certainly we've seen it this year. I mean, your pitching has been the best in baseball, and yet it's overcome Marco and Robbie and Penn Murphy, and now Emerson Hancock, and you know, and I'm certain other guys that have, have worked through some issues. What um, what is the latest with Emerson and, and the prognosis moving forward? You know, M was going to be, it was going to be a six to eight week thing for him with, uh, with his, it's a, it's a lat in back of his right shoulder, which is, you know, generally 
bothered him in the past. If, if you know, going back to his his draft year in 2020, it's it's been a, a a sometimes repetitive thing that jumps up and grabs him. It delayed the start to his 2022 season. You know, obviously it it, it shortened his 2023 season. You know, so we're looking into what we can do uh, to try to prevent this from moving forward. Anything from diet and nutrition to different, you know strength and, and training programs. Emerson's open to that. But once we understood that it was going to be, you know, a six to eight week thing, obviously that puts us at season's end. And, you know, with just a, a handful of major league outings under his belt, we thought the wisest thing to do is just shut him down and, and get him moving toward 2024. Any update on, uh, on Jared Kelnick this morning? Uh, no, just that he's out of his boot. You know, he is starting to go through his baseball programs. We don't yet have a timeline simply because, you know, his, his foot's not healed. You know, his foot, there was, it, there's enough healing that he's now out of the boot and can start going through, you know, more physically exerting uh, activity. What that results in in return to, to play, not quite sure yet. We don't have a hard program, but as I said before, and then, you know, Scott and I laughed about it on the plane last night. Whatever we determine the, the timeline is, I'm guessing it's going to be quicker than that. Yeah, that's weird. I saw him on Tiger Mountain with a weighted vest and, and heavy weighted bats. <laughs> I think he's itching to itching to come back. Hey, you were up in the air conditioning, not in the heat and humidity. Do you are you a little bit like the rest of us? Do you scoreboard watch? Do you find yourself watching the game and flipping over to, to whatever site you can to see what else is going on in baseball? Oh, now you do, and you know, and the and whoever tells you when you get. You don't in May, you don't in June, you know, once you get into the dog days and, and it's on, you do. And, you know, we now see the, the finish line is, is there. You see where it is, you see where you stand and, and nobody's not watching. And, you know, for the players, they're focused on the game on the field and they're going to turn around and look from time to time or certainly pick up the phone when they get into the clubhouse. Uh, you know, minimally, everybody's watching highlights or, or game day feeds on, on bus rides. So, it's, we're just at that time of year, and it's this is the fun of being in a playoff race. It's the same for the players and the staff it is, as it is for the fans. It, it's fun. And, you know, it's, a, it's exciting. You see what's happening around you, and, you know, the, the key is to not let it affect what you're doing on the field. But, you know, it's, this is the time of year that you want to be in a position like we're in, and you want to watch the scoreboard. Must have been kind of fun getting to cheer for Seawalt at the end of the game the other day too, right? I mean, at least at least you're already rooting for the guy, and then you get a chance to watch him help you out. That's kind of a a nice situation. Hey, I, I want to ask you about this is sort of an odd one, but being hit by pitches, and you guys lead the major leagues in being hit by pitches last year. Right now, you're at ninety for the season. That's more than all of last year, where I think the number was eighty nine, which was fourth or fifth in baseball. Is that a concern? Is it a badge that you wear proudly? How do you look at that? You know, it's a, it's I, in a weird way, it's a skill, you know, and we have a couple of players for whom it's a skill. And, and that, that sounds weird. No hitter goes up there thinking, boy, I'm going to get hit by this one. <laughs> There's a, but, you know, between Ty France and Jose Caballero, especially, it is a skill for them. They, you know, they both crowd the plate. They both don't give up ground. They have a history of being hit by pitches. And, and I don't think that, that it's – they're not being hit by pitches because they're being headhunted. They're being hit by pitches because that's a skill of theirs. And, and it contributes to their own base. It contributes to, to moving the, the lineup. And, you know, as – and I, I, I asked Ty this. You know, this might have been last year. He got hit 
uh, on the, the it was three or four straight nights that he got hit on his arm guard. And I said, I said, what does that feel like when you get hit on the arm guard? He said, oh, it hurts. <laughs> There's a, it's, it's unpleasant. And, you know, I, it, they're not up there trying to get hit. And, you know, but we do tend to get hit more than most. We're, I, it's part of our personality, you know, and, and especially the, the personality of this team, of the 2023 Mariners. We're, you know, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a grinder team. It's a depth team. They get under your skin. And, 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 and when that's happening and you're in the box and you're crowding it, it feels emotional when Cabby gets plunked. But in the reality, and for the most part, I will say, there's, there are times where this may not be true. The reality is it's always been a part of their skill set, and it's just going to happen over the course of time. His skill set is almost like a hockey player. He's like, you know, he's kind of he's kind of got some of that irritant hockey player in him, doesn't he? You know, it's, it's funny, and I and I you may or may not remember this when in the in the early spring when the Kraken were were making their good run and they went toward the, the postseason. Our teams are not too dissimilar. It's the it's it's deep, you know, the fourth line of, of our team. Right now you're seeing that depth pay off and and you know, in baseball it is such a twenty six man game. So much of the roster needs to contribute, just like in hockey. And you know, and Cabby is that guy. He's you know, he's the grinder, he's the he's not afraid, he'll go battle the giant and he doesn't care who you are. And and I think that's a that it's a personality trait we hope he always keeps. Mm. Jerry, thank you. Uh, really fun baseball here over the course of the last uh, few months and especially over the last couple of weeks. We appreciate it. We'll do it again next Thursday in the middle of the homestand. All right, guys. Look forward to it. Yeah, and that baseball got even more fun yesterday with everybody else in this pennant race or everybody else in the playoff chase losing in the American League, which was just great, right? I mean, Toronto loses. Houston. I mean, Houston didn't just lose. 17-1? to 1? J.P. France, who we saw last week, just got battered. Hopefully there's some effect to that. If you wanted any outcome from that Boston-Houston series, it was a split 2-2, and that's exactly what you got. So the Red Sox don't gain any ground, and the Astros fall back a little bit as well. And then the big one, Texas, getting beat despite leading most of that game. They are finding ways to lose right now. That's what you were doing a few months ago. Fantastic. Keep it up, Texas. Keep finding those ways to lose. And Mariners, take care of some business at home here against some bad teams, Kansas City and then Oakland. And this is going to be a real, real fun September. All right, Brock's in. We'll keep discussing next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710.